Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. This week we wrapped up uh, with some of us had a little group, and we were reading Fleming Rutledge's Old Testament sermons. And we've been doing this for four weeks, and over the course of these four weeks, I realized that I preach on the First Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, almost never. And that is a true tragedy. So, in commemoration of that group ending, I am going to preach on the first reading, the book of the prophet Jeremiah. So if you would, please, if you have a bulletin, turn with me to page five of your bulletin. And if you don't have one, I'm going to say it all. So don't worry. But before we get to the Old Testament reading, I'm going to take a look at the collect of the day, which as you'll see is right above it. Why am I doing this? Well, normally the collect of the day pairs with either the gospel or the epistle. But in today's reading, it pairs perfectly with the Old Testament reading. So I'm not just doing this because, as many of you know, I'm obsessed with the colics, or what Jim said just a second ago, that this is the collect of colics. But this reading pairs perfectly with what we're about to look at. I don't know, maybe you came here this morning and you're a little groggy, maybe you weren't paying attention, but I'm going to say this prayer one more time because it is... Unbelievable. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise. That, and this is probably my favorite part, among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. And while it's easy to get lost in the beauty and the majesty of this collect, what I want us to zero in on is our big ask in the collect. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise. In a nutshell, what we are asking for in this collect is for God to bring together the I-oughts of our life with the I-wants. It's the conjoining of what we ought to do and what we want to do. For so often, those two things in our lives couldn't be further away from each other if you tried to bring them further away. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise. Now, a little-known fact about this prayer, a lot of people think that Thomas Cranmer wrote this prayer in the 1500s, in the 16th century, during the time of the Reformation, because it sounds a whole lot like a reformational prayer, right? Bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. But you would be wrong. This prayer is based on a 5th century prayer in Rome that Thomas Cranmer put together for the first Book of Common Prayer. But what's even more interesting than that, and deal with me for a second here if you're not a history nerd, because that's what I am, 
That first line that we all love, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Well, some of us love it. Some of us hate it because it's not really good news. It's, it's pretty bad news, actually. But that first line, I get, wasn't put there by Thomas Cranmer. No, this prayer was originally a prayer for church unity. And a hundred years later, after the English Civil War, after the turmoil, the strife, the violence of the religious wars in England, after the aftermath of that and people beheading each other, all this and all that, the assemblers of the 1662 prayer book changed the first line to this. Essentially what they were saying is, for a hundred years, our wills have been unruly, and our affections have not been toward God or towards one another. So they transformed this prayer that was originally a prayer for the unifying, the unity of the church, into this desperate plea for God to make a way where there seemed to be no way. We could not get along. We could not get along to such a point that we were willing to kill each other for decades. Lord, only you can rectify what has gone wrong. I think this collect is particularly relevant for us today. Probably for every time, but for us today. While we may not be in the midst of a civil war, sometimes it feels like we are. Take a look at your Twitter feed or wherever you get your news, particularly social media. There is acrimony on every front. We see racism that refuses to be eradicated despite our best efforts. On the other side, we see hate that masquerades itself as activism. We need this prayer. Bring our unruly wills and affections into order. Bring together the I ought and the I want. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're a little bit offended by this prayer. Because, I mean, maybe 10 years ago I probably would have been. I probably wouldn't have thought of my rule as being unruly, or my will as being unruly. I probably would have thought, you know, just like going to the gym, you do enough bicep curls day after day after day, and you'll get jacked. If I take small acts towards being brave, well, they'll accumulate, and one day I'll be super brave, or be naturally brave. What I think we've seen this year for the past four years, and maybe for all of time, is that that hasn't worked. That has not been enough to love, make us love what he commands, to make us desire what he promises. But I'm here today to say to you that maybe we shouldn't be so offended by this. This isn't just a Christian prayer. This isn't just a Christian view of human limitation that's kind of a bummer. Next time you hear of anyone who's gone to Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or anything like that, what is the first step that they say over and over and over again? And it's not said as this bad news, I'm so terrible. It's not so different from our rule, our wills became unruly. We had lost the power to manage our own lives. 
We needed a power outside of ourselves to make right what has gone wrong within. My friends, you and I are past the point of try harder and you'll get better. We're past the point of getting by with a little help from our friends. No, you and I, what we need is the heart transplant. We need something completely changed. While of course, try harder. While of course, education is a good thing. It is not enough, according to this collect. It is not enough, according to the first step. And as we'll see in a second, it's not enough, according to the Old Testament reading. No, we need to take a cue from the black church who constantly talks about how you and I can't just do it. We need to be seized by the power of a great affection. And I love that word. We need to be seized. We've tried to get better, or sometimes. I mean, most of the time I'm not trying to get better. But when I have tried, I have not loved what God has commanded. I have not desired what he promised my I ought to's and what I want to have not been brought together. Oh, I need something stronger than my will, than my pull it up by my bootstraps persona. As much as I love that because I am an all-American boy and that's what we're supposed to be able to do. So look with me now at Jeremiah 31. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors, a covenant that they broke. But this is the covenant I will make. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. Sounds a whole lot like grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise. Sounds a whole lot like conjoining the I ought to with the I want to. Now what's the, the context of this Hebrew scripture reading? The people of God are in exile. The people of God long to return to the land that was promised them. The people of God long for a, a restoration of the relationship that they had with God. The people of God, and we're not supposed to think, oh, the people of God back then, but you and me here today as well, have committed a great sin over and over and over again. Our hearts became unruly. We created idols left and right. We oppressed our own people over and over again. This is the people of God in exile crying out, Deliver us! This should remind us a whole lot like the need for God to deliver the people of God in the Exodus. That was not about trying harder. That was not about getting by with a little help from my friends. That was about deliverance from the outside. And that's what these, this reading and this collect are all about. 
In this passage, this is a part of a three-chapter segment in the prophecy to Jeremiah. It's called the Book of Consolation. And after 30 chapters of essentially the people of God being on trial and been found wanting, how are things made right? They don't They aren't told to try harder. They aren't told, you know, with you and your friends, you'll help yourselves out. No, they are said, read this. Who makes the way? God makes the way. I will write my law on their heart. I will make a new covenant with Israel. They broke this. They broke this time and time again. And yet... Our Lord does not quit on them. Which just means that our Lord does not quit on us. Once again, grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. I don't know if you were paying attention during the chanting of the Decalogue. But those Ten Commandments are those ten words are the words that will be written upon our hearts. When we read them closely, we we all know that we have fallen short of these. I mean, that's why we say the confession every single week. We don't take a break from saying the prayer of confession. If you do morning prayer, you say the, the confession every single day. So, What's interesting in all of this is, of course, the prophecy to Jeremiah find its fulfillment in Christ our Lord, who obeys the law perfectly and does so on our behalf and in our stead. But what we see in the prophecy to Jeremiah, what we see in the call of the day, is also a future hope for you and me. For the I ought to and the I want to in my life, has not been brought together yet. I have moments of inbreaking for that. I, I find myself on occasion doing something, and it's like, wow, like, I'm being actually pretty unselfish today. I don't know where that came from. But this really is a, still, in Christ, a future promise for us. This is where God will seize us. He will seize us with this power. He will make a way where there appears to be no way. And all that acrimony that we see everywhere today will be undone. Once again, we're not going to get through this by trying a little harder. We need a heart transplant. And that is our prayer today. For you and I, we believe in the living God. The God who is still active. The God continues to make right what has gone wrong. The God who always makes a way where there is no way. This is hope for you. This is hope for me. And this is hope for our world. That God is on the move. That despite everything... He's not finished with us yet. And until that day comes, this is our prayer. Grant us grace to love what you command and desire what you promise. And we pray that 
until the promise is fulfilled. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.